0: to another episode of the Goblin Lore podcast. This is the final uh, episode that we have for May, which is Mental Health Awareness Month. So we're going to be kind of uh, finishing this up with the topic of stigma today. I recorded an episode last week that kind of led into this a little bit, kind of talking about the fact that this is a really big episode and that this is actually something that while planning for this episode and kind of thinking about it, realizes a much bigger topic than kind of what we had initially anticipated. Uh, Earlier in the week, I actually put a call out on Twitter to kind of ask people, especially, could they think of lore or lore tie-ins for this concept of stigma, which I think revealed a lot of what people know about stigma or kind of what people think about it. And we actually got an overwhelming response, I would say. There, There was just so many people that were very passionate about this. And we learned, that not only uh, two characters that we've talked about in the past, but also just many, many Planeswalkers who may have had stigma be part of their sparking or been a part of their development as characters, which fits a little bit back into that trauma narrative that we've talked about in the past, or kind of that trope of what Planeswalkers are and kind of how heroes uh, develop, Alex. You've talked a lot about that. We, we don't want, want to talk about the Planeswalker piece of, to it now because it is a much bigger and more in-depth episode that would need kind of, I think, some development first, which is the point of what today's episode is. So we really wanted to kind of leave Mental Health Awareness Month, where we did kind of all of our episodes this month focused more explicitly on mental health, talking about the concept and the idea of stigma and how that relates to mental health and actually to mental health treatment. I am uh, HobbsQ. Uh, you probably can find me on Twitter at HobbsQ. And today we do not have an opening question because it did not seem to really fit with the theme. First, I'm just going to hand it over to my co-host and let him introduce himself and talk a little bit about uh, the story that we're going to use today as our jumping off point.
1: Uh, I'm Alex Newman, found on Twitter at Mill underscore Chronicler. Uh, and we want to talk about uh, Slobad and, and Galissa. Um, this is actually uh, two characters, specifically Slobad, um, that we talked about in way back, episode 19, I believe it was. So we've gone through his storyline and we talked about them, the concept of friendship and the importance of, of relationships between those two but we think that there, this storyline is also really good for talking about stigma. Um, and so, I want to talk a very brief moment about like why we're we're going back. And the thing is, is like good, well-told stories, and, and just like real life, have more than one thing going on. There's more than one lens that characters. Like real people experience the world through, and so despite the fact that we thought the storyline, this not even despite the fact, the storyline was a good jumping-off point to talk about friendship. It's also good to talk about uh, this particular topic of, of stigma as well. And so it's at some point now that you know we're we're in the 70s for our episodes, we are finding that we're starting to revisit some of the same topics a little bit. I know we've talked about anxiety on, on we've revisited that topic. From a real world standpoint, um, at some point we will be revisiting, you know, some of the same story topics. But when we do that, we, we want to try to to bring a new angle from that story and use that to talk about a different conversation. Or maybe a, this, a conversation we've had for something else, but to bring a new angle to it and to, and to flesh it out more.
0: We actually kind of indirectly hit on this, I think, with talking about how... I think we're going to find that there are reasons that Slowblad and Glissa became... Friends and started working together. Um, and there actually is, so we did talk about this and kind of why um, Glissa may have initially not really kind of trusted uh, Slobad or really wanted to work with him. That actually probably was starting to hit on some ideas of stigma, but we didn't do it explicitly, which is why it's awesome that we're getting to now a chance to revisit this with kind of a different intentional lens.
1: Yeah, and I think we've we've talked about a little bit in the past with some of the storylines. I know when we did Nissa and and burnout i know i I was struggling to boil the story down and i realized that that's because nissa has a lot of things going on and so when we were looking at one specific lens it was like let's talk about her story from this point and kind of gloss over some of the other details because what's this is the lens we're talking about but at some point we'll get back to nissa and talk about other aspects of 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 her story and things and i think that's the case here so um, because we want to talk about this other topic, and this is a story we've we've covered, I want to give a, a quick overview of of kind of the the part of the, of their story that that we talked about in our, our past episode. Um, and so Slowbad is is a goblin. This is, took place on Miradin. This is the story of the original Miradin set, um, and we'll come back to the return to Miradin. I think that's where we'll have a little more details to go into different parts of the story that we didn't talk about before. But Slowbad is um, is probably the most intelligent goblin that we've seen in the storyline, at least that we know of. Um, I guess Duretti is up there too. Since then, in the last few years, at some point we'll get to him, and so we've 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 gotten a few. But Slowbad was definitely the first goblin shown to be very intelligent. Um, but even before that, led to some ostracization. Um, he was born under uh, the Eye of Doom. I, I believe that was one of the moons, because or the suns. Myrdin had five suns, one for each color, um, and so in his in that in that goblin uh, tribe, that was considered a bad sign. That was a taboo, and so it was the tradition that every goblin born under that sign was su- supposed to die. Actually, but
0: it, um, yeah, so thrown into the great yeah. furnace.
1: Yeah, thrown into the Great Furnace. There you go. Um, but Slobad's mother did not follow tradition, instead, um hid the goblin in the air ducts rather than throwing him in the great furnace. Still, you know, infinite infant, probably not going to survive that, but he happened to um D- Dwugget, who was part of the Quark clan, found Slowbad and and brought him and raised him among the uh the the Quark clan. And so it had mean, like his life started with this, this taboo and this, this thing. And then um, even in that clan, so it's just because Slobad found a place did not mean he felt at home. So even among this. Yeah. And they were, they were outcasts too. Yeah. Even among this group of outcasts, Slobad felt alone and isolated. So it's at some point he decided to leave. This group himself now um, surviving by his wits and, and living on his own until he was then captured by the Leonin and, and turned into a servant. Apparently, let's,
0: let's not
1: say servant. But, it's yeah, it was, yeah <laughs> a slave. Yeah, he was a slave. It was not. It was not a good relationship. Well, apparently, like there was some sort of kinship there, but still, there was. It was very clear that regarding no how favorably he was thought yeah. of. He had no freedom. So it's then at some point, Slowbad being a smart goblin on on Mirden, what are you going to do? You're going to tinker. You're going to make artifacts. You're going to play around with with stuff. Well, apparently, there was a catastrophic failure, <laughs> one of his inventions, and uh, Slowbad decided to to run. Like he had the opportunity, and he was out. So from that point, he was living in the Oxida Mountains by himself um, in this cave where there was these machines called the levelers that every 100 years would go and just destroy Meridan so that it could be rebuilt i guess it's there was some stuff going on in Meridan that ties to uh, a guy who takes control of things and
0: memnark
1: ma- memnark yes makes yes. people angry and commander so yeah there's there's a whole thing with memnark and what he was doing on on Mirrodin that we've talked about some in other episodes and isn't super relevant here so i'm going to kind of jump over that but so in this cave Slowbed was just living by himself yeah, he, until he, he
0: chose this like life yeah. of isolation um basically he, he it was interesting you know like you said he got the opportunity to run and he did part of it was he was afraid of being punished um because he knew that it could the machine had gone wrong there was going to be punishment with it kind of before we move on to glissa i just want to highlight a couple of things which is basically this idea that he was born under um a moon or or yeah the blue moon of this die of doom and which already started off his life with this idea that he should be killed um now he gets instead picked up by a group of outcasts who also don't really understand him because in part to do with his i think it is like we've talked about to do with his intelligence and kind of his tinkering and what he did even then he is kind of seen as different or he is seen as their kind of his beliefs about what he a goblin should be doing and what a goblin would be doing even among the group of outcasts and Slowbad does not fit into that mold and he instead chooses a life of isolation and in our last episode we did get into kind of talking about this idea that even though he wanted isolation, that isolation is very tough on kind of almost anybody that it, even then we don't think that Slobad really was thriving and excited by his isolation. No,
1: but I think, well, and, and look at this too. He chose isolation twice. Yes. When he left the Quark clan. And then again, when he escaped the Leonins, he chose isolation. I think because that's two, and, Well, yeah, and and that's two. And then three different societies he didn't have a place in, not really. And so he chose isolation, not really knowing what else to do. But then um, living in this cave, eventually the levelers came back with something strange. A, uh, an elf named Glissa was, was caught in, in one of them because um, they had gone and destroyed much of, of where she was living. And there's a whole piece to her story that I think we'll, we'll talk about a little bit um, um, later. But then these two end up becoming friends. They, they were a little leery of each other. Um, I think particularly Glissa of, of uh, Slowbad there's a few elements um i know we talked about in our last episode about slow bad he has a unusual way of talking which i think is another part of what isolated him with people quite often we language this is this is a weird thing that to, to, maybe i'm going to frame this in a weird way and, and please Critique. you not critique me, but see what you, what you think of this. Um, but l- language is, uh, is is kind of an outgrowth of it's it's how we communicate, and often the way somebody speaks is seen as as a product of intelligence, regardless of the fact that there are a lot of other factors to it between dialects, between learning second and third languages. You're you're not going to when you're born. In that culture, in that language, you learn it just naturally. If you learn it later, you're not going to speak it as well, regardless of your, your actual level of intelligence. But we see that as a shorthand because that is how language is what we use to share and express ideas. And I think that it is then incorrectly used as a reference to how people are capable of their of. How someone speaks is sometimes used incorrectly to, phrase, to look at how they
0: can think. So Did every, that make any sense? It, it makes complete sense because okay. um, part of what we're going to get to when we talk about stigma is that it is beliefs that people have about us. And um, th- those beliefs, we're going to be framing it, especially as it comes to mental health. It, but it can be anything to do with intelligence or kind of... Uh, Glissa had beliefs and we talked about this with kind of the way that the construction of Slobad's language was. She had beliefs about him based on him being a goblin mm-hmm. and we think based on his his just how his speech was constructed. Um, not necessarily showing intelligence. She believed she had beliefs about goblins and part of what it how they end up becoming friends is because she is able to overcome that and he able to show her in some ways that he is not what she expected. But she had a lot of prejudiced beliefs from him based on kind of, I would say, stigma, based on not knowing him as an individual at all.
1: Eventually through this, these these two do end up becoming friends.
0: This leads us kind of into we have kind of a background on these two and they're really kind of going to be our framework for talking about stigma today. So let's just start off by kind of talking about what stigma is. So Alex, do you have thoughts on this? Kind of what it, what do you know about stigma? And kind of what is your thoughts on? on I guess this? my my initial understanding of of stigma and this is a one of those
1: wonderful topics where you can like have a you know, fill in and, and tell me how this this goes. Is is the it's the idea of of things that kind of pull people push people out of of communities i guess you know the word ostracize a lot um it may not it's not even necessarily that strong i guess that's a very strong version of that but these these things that isolate people within communities that that sort of set people against them
0: yeah so stigma at its kind of core is beliefs or prejudices that people have towards a group um that are based on preconceived notions and they're So there, and they are basically, you know. So I'm going to give examples because I think sometimes that is an easier way to start with. And I'm actually going to start with kind of uh, schizophrenia in particular. is is an illness that is very misunderstood, and and therefore there's a lot of stigma kind of around it. So these are beliefs that people hold that may have no basis kind of in reality, or you know. Something like research does not bear these out to be true, but they are commonly held beliefs that are established through media or just, I would say, word of mouth or what people just talk about or know. Uh, so, people with schizophrenia, one of the hallmark symptoms is kind of hallucinations and delusions. There is a lot of beliefs that people have that people with schizophrenia are more dangerous because there have been tons of news stories where you hear about somebody that has schizophrenia who killed somebody and they say it's you know oh well they were having demonic voices that told them to do this and so you get this idea that people with schizophrenia are more dangerous they're more likely to harm people however if you actually look at it it's just because stories don't get sensationalized if somebody just kills another person for you know quote unquote boring reasons like they slept with their wife um The research shows that people with schizophrenia are no more likely uh, to be violent than people with other mental health conditions or the general public. Uh, You know, There's beliefs that people with schizophrenia, it is such a debilitating illness and chronic that you're never gonna be able to live a normal life. You can't work. That these symptoms are so overwhelming that they're gonna keep you from being able to kind of live your daily life. Most mental health kind of has stigma associated with it. And they really are these beliefs that keep people from seeking out help a lot of time.
1: Yeah, and and uh, so I know, as I can speak from kind of the mental health standpoint with with my own anxiety and things too, uh, often stigma around some of those things will have people, even when you start to see the signs, you'll you'll deny them. Well, no, that can't be me because I don't fit this idea that I have of a person who is blank, mm-hmm. despite the fact that. People who are blank are much larger than that one piece. But that's, you know, that's how stigma works. It 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 convinces you that there's these people are defined by a single thing,
0: to the point where that language even becomes uh, a big part of that. Like uh, we talk a lot about this when we, you know, there's a big movement within recovery psychology, and you know, for each group, I would say I've seen differences with this, but it's that idea of defining somebody by their illness. So. Mm-hmm. It's that adjective that somebody is schizophrenic, you know, that that, as you just said, that conjures up images. And it also defines a person by that one aspect of their life or that one thing about them.
1: Yeah. And, and like I said at the beginning, when we we're talking about storylines, no person is a single thing. You, you have lots of aspects of, of who you are and your personality and what you do and who, you know, the relationships you have and just all manner of things. And, and it's such a disservice to literally everyone, both the people who are the – especially the people who you know, are the targets of the stigma, but the people who aren't to define people by a single aspect –
0: and and you know NAMI is is one of their main missions is fighting stigma. It's to provide education. It's kind of trying to and that's
1: the the National Alliance of Mental Illness.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the National Just Alliance. Just trying of
1: Mental to Illness. define define <laughs> uh, acronyms for for folk who may not be as familiar with them.
0: Yes, we have been dropping links to them all month long, and yes. I do highly recommend checking them out. They're an, a very good national organization, um, but their biggest mission is to provide education about Mm -hmm. mental health, talking about it openly um, because of these concerns. Um, This is really kind of to see, wow, to me, stigma is something that it's been a, a really important topic for me for a very long time, to the point that in 2002, I actually wrote my undergrad thesis about representations of mental illness in films and in the media. And back then, there was kind of a lot of, there wasn't a lot of research in this area. You know, what what I found was mainly kind of just what people had observed. Um, And, you know, there wasn't like rigorous, like research and studies into it. It, There didn't need to be in some ways. It's kind of obvious that people would use very stigmatizing language. Um, And that was a lot of what I was looking at was that language component because the stigma develops out of that. But schizophrenic and not using that, for a character in a movie, correctly, you know, um, a lot of times people would have these ideas that schizophrenia is multiple personality disorder because movies would call a person schizophrenic who had these like multiple personalities or they were an axe murderer. Um, yeah,
1: and that is an entirely different topic. But this is the the idea that there is so much that exists of human experience that is outside, I mean, there's just so much exists that a lot of it's going to be outside of us. And so most people, if you ask them, like, do you define, you know, who these people are based on how movies and TV and, you know, pop culture says, you would think, no, that would be ridiculous, because pop culture plays things up to have, you know, the most exciting storylines or whatever on TV. But at the same time, that is how We hear about these things that exist outside of us more often than not. And so without realizing it, we are defining those people by how pop culture shows them until we realize that that's what we're doing and then we can change it. But if we're not having those conversations outside of pop culture, then it's just not happening.
0: And I'll say just even mass media in general, because this this refers to news. Yeah, that's true. Um, uh and and that was kind of what i was looking at i i i my project was basically me and i i uh the joke is that i always find ways to get out of projects by doing what i want to do so like i wrote a paper in college on calvin and Hobbes for a psychology class just because and i I had to talk the teacher into letting me do it but it was just because i like was like well that's more interesting than whatever you want me to do so for my undergrad (laughs) i convinced one of my um uh One of my friends, who was also a senior, to basically we watched a bunch of films from the '80s, and we coded language to do with mental illness in the movies. (laughs) Um, And we did comedies, we did horror movies, um, and we just basically and did some dramas, and we rated them, and then looked at kind of how the language showed up in movies. And lo and behold, language was misused, um, you know, in a lot of these stereotypes that we have about a person with mental illness, about what a mental hospital looks like, that's where we get them from. Um, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest is a great story and, you know, tells a lot about kind of experiences that, that people may have. It's representations of what a hospital looks like, at least now, are not good. And even talking about things like Electroconvulsive therapy, so ECT, or what we would call shock therapy, you need to be able to represent those in media in a way that is very, in some ways, are very sensational. Um, whereas that's actually a very proven, effective treatment for uh, treatment refractory depression, especially so depression that does not respond to any treatment that has really kind of the vegetative symptoms, where the person does not, you know, just kind of that does nothing. Basically, and medications don't work or help. And on top of that, interestingly, I found this out from my wife. It's effective treatment during pregnancy for people with depression that can't be on medications because of the effects that it may have on, like the the baby. Um, because the the electricity is actually confined to very specific areas, it does not get to the baby. It's actually a very effective treatment. When I talk about shock therapy or ECT, do you have? I mean, I don't know what you know about that, but I don't know if you have notions of what that looks like or what.
1: No, I mean, the, the notions I have, again, formed by pop culture, are that it's, you know, it's up there with leeches in, in modern day medicine. Yeah. That it's
0: horrible. That it's, it's, you know. Yeah.
1: It, it is an old, archaic thing that, that doesn't belong in the modern medical
0: vernacular. I think we're kind of now trying to see or, or we're starting to see why stigma is so, so damaging. I mean, understanding just kind of the, the, the impact of it. And right now we're talking about this concept of basically public stigma, kind of like how the world treats us. So that's what we're seeing with Slobad, right? With Slobad, we're kind of how the world treated him because of these multiple facets of his life and what they expected from him. Even with having Glissa in her initial interactions with him not have trust and not have kind of, well, I don't know if she didn't have trust. She probably just didn't think very highly of him. And a lot of what happens with bad kind of in his life, what led to him being an outcast. And this is where I think to me, the strongest representation of how this looks for mental health is he becomes an outcast through kind of no fault of his own initially he is cast aside and then because of kind of his traits and things that are about him even as he's growing up from infancy to kind of well we don't know the timeline but he's part of this this cult or this clan he doesn't even fit in there because of who he is they wanting to kind of like, like I said, they didn't necessarily cast him out, but they weren't really accepting of him. You know, Duaget raised him and he did kind of treat him as his own, but he was still kind of isolated even among quote unquote, his own people. And that to me is where we see at some point Slobad chooses to just basically say, screw it and go and be on his own. Like whenever he gets that opportunity, his natural inclination or his first thought is, to go be on his own. Because he's just been.
1: It it was. Until. His time with Glissa. And Bosch. Because we see that he tw- twice. In the story early in, in his life. He chose to go and be isolated. But that third time. When he had that opportunity. After he sparked and was a planeswalker. And could have had the ultimate. You know power to go. Spend wherever the hell he chose. With great power, he chose to give that up to get his friends back.
0: Yeah, because he finally had felt people treating him for who he was, not who they thought he was. Mm-hmm. Because they they'd actually spent the time to know them. But I mean, when we talk stigma, I, 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 I know I'm speaking a lot to kind of schizophrenia because that's the, my area of expertise and it is the area that I think stigma has been studied in the most. Mm-hmm. I do want to because I had been looking at kind of doing a full episode on schizophrenia at some point, I completely forgot about the fact that Glissa is probably one of our biggest examples of somebody who had symptoms that may be consistent with uh, psychosis, especially. Um, she had these like vivid hallucinations that because of, which was interesting is she had distrust of trolls, which would kind of lead into kind of a paranoia, which could be in a delusional, but she kind of ignored the rituals. And this, like we're supposed to ease the memory of the elves, which is this weird thing. But because of this, she begins having hallucinations, which fuels her paranoia about the trolls. And in turn leads for them to like basically abduct her. And she's like taken away. I mean, this is just interesting to me. And we're going to come back to Glissa in a second. Um, I want to finish up kind of this discussion with what we're talking about when we're talking about public stigma. So stigma, as a recap, can be broken down into three main areas, stereotype, prejudice, and discrimination. So it's the beliefs that people have about others, then the reactions that they have towards them emotionally leading to then behavior. So we talked last time kind of about the thoughts, feelings, and behavior loop. We're seeing that at work here with the stigma. Basically the negative beliefs or about the group would be the things like somebody with schizophrenia is dangerous or somebody with schizophrenia is more likely to um, harm me. They can't work. They can't be trusted. They need to be institutionalized. Um, Somebody with depression can't be a good parent. Um, That's one that I've seen a lot of too in the past, you know, well they're depressed, they can't take care of another person. Uh, Somebody with anxiety can't get up in front of others and give a speech, whatever it is, there's beliefs that people have, which lead to then emotional responses. A lot of times, with the more extreme examples, it's, it's either anger or it's fear. And then finally, this leads to kind of the prejudice. And this prejudice can be just like when we talk about any type of discrimination, or it can be institutionalized to the point of kind of, uh, withholding employment or housing mm-hmm. opportunities, not just kind of avoidance. I want to lead us now into a little bit more of a discussion of what would be called self-stigma or kind of internalized stigma. So if I just bring that up, Alex, do you have kind of any thoughts? No, I mean, not uh, nothing specific. I, I mean, uh, maybe somehow
1: form things here. We'll see if this makes any sense. Just the idea of of internalized stigma is kind of taking those those beliefs that are outside there you know the the well-known things everybody knows x group y um and then kind of taking that into yourself and accepting that that has to be true and believing that about yeah, that's yourself exactly
0: that's exactly what it is so okay. can you think of how that might be dangerous even completely separate from what we've been talking about with the public stigma
1: well i mean that when we talk about the, the, the single lens thing, and that is basically cutting yourself off from being a whole person in a lot of ways. If you decide that, well, maybe not you decide, it's it's not a, a conscious decision, but if you've internalized the societal narrative about X people, that is not giving you the ability to be your own person. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah we've talked a lot about the idea of self-fulfilling prophecies. Um, and this starts becoming, you have a negative belief about yourself from even the perceptions that you have or that you're picking up from mass media. So if you're somebody with depression or schizophrenia, or you're somebody that hears voices and you have that experience, you may not, you you have already beliefs that that have been established about what that means about those people. Um or you've heard from people well you know people with schizophrenia can't work they don't want to work they just want to you know be on disability you start believing those things about yourself well gosh you know i'm i'm unable to um there actually is a lot of research into this that so the other half of my job that i do currently i work with people with serious mental illness i also work with helping people return to work and the model that we use for that came out of this field to do with schizophrenia because people with schizophrenia were not offered job services or they were only offered structured work settings where they had somebody watching what they did they weren't asked if they wanted to work whereas many other people even with depression and anxiety get asked that relatively all the time because we see the value of work and we know that it helps people not just from a financial standpoint but even just from kind of a, a sense of self, well-being, purpose, and meaning, um, kind of some of that value stuff that I was talking about on the last episode. Well, if you believe these things about yourself, you you don't apply for jobs. You don't put yourself out there. You basically fall in line with kind of what the stereotype or the belief is. Or you do things like slow bad where you start isolating. Now. I want to bring up Glissa again, because Glissa is actually a main factor in the Mirrodin Besiege and kind of the Phyrexians coming in and basically terraforming, as they do, or taking over Mirrodin, because Glissa is an important character in this. So we said before that Glissa and Slowbad kind of return to the surface. They get set upon by hordes of panicked goblins, which is once again just completely unfair. Panicked goblins, whatever. But anyway, our favorite tribe somehow causes Glissa and Slobad to get separated from each other. This is when Slobad is killed. Glissa gets trapped in the core, above the ground, kind of. She is now living below the ground again. Above ground, the elves accuse her of basically all the damage that had been done to their community. The destruction of the Radix. Basically, there is no more trolls. They've been extinct, and the trolls and the elves kind of had this relationship. Um, the there were many elves who died. I mean, during this kind of whole situation. So during all of this, she leaves and they start calling her Glissa the traitor. And basically everything that kind of happens bad gets thrown onto her. Now, we don't know fully kind of how this impacted her. We have more of, I think, an allegory or kind of analogy of why this becomes interesting is the Phyrexians and they're kind of the glistening oil and it makes its way into the core. She actually gets corrupted by the glistening oil and then gets completed by Vorniclex and becomes kind of the champion. Um, And she, in some ways, then literally becomes Glissa the traitor. This, to me, is a perfect analogy or a perfect example of what internalized stigma or, uh, yeah, personal stigma, self-stigma looks like. She has the beliefs that, you know, that she is a traitor in some ways. Now, like I said, we don't know fully what she knows, but what we know is all of the elves up above are really having these now stigmatized beliefs about about Glissa. And she actually ends up being a traitor. To the plane and to the people. One reason that this is so insidious when it comes to schizophrenia and why I wanted to bring up kind of internalized stigma is kind of one of our main focal points before we kind of talk about the real world application is there actually is a very strong relationship between suicide rates and internalized stigmas or measures of internalized stigmas, both in attempts and completion. Now, this is, holds true pretty much across mental health and mental illness, and we've talked about suicide before, um, and it, it really is that those if you have these beliefs about yourself, it is so powerful that the outcomes are that negative. There is a very strong relationship between suicide and stigma, and especially internalized stigma. Because of that idea, if you believe these things about yourself, it is very easy to see how you can start moving to hopelessness. This kind of brings us to then kind of talking a little bit about, well, like, it is kind of that question of like, well, what do we do? You know, like, that, yeah, what do we do, right? That's what, where we're at at this point. I. Admit that this is an area that I get really. um, I think this is where my kind of I I wouldn't say it's hopelessness, but kind of my own kind of sense of at times of kind of sadness uh, just because I have actually looked at this in some lenses for going on 20 years, even before this was my career or my life. I mean, it's stigma. And these beliefs about it and these beliefs about what people think about mental health literally is what pushed me into this field. Um just a quick personal story. When I was a high school student, I, I talked a little bit about this. That's when I was first diagnosed with depression. Um, in probably a very emo fashion, because that was like, you know, 18-year-old Hobbes with depression. Um I did like a presentation to a class. We had, I went to a Catholic school. We had to do religion classes, but they weren't always fully religious. They just had, like some of them were like, we had an ethics class one year, but in one of them, it was a presentation on topics. And I decided to present on depression to like my class of seniors and talk about this openly. Um, Apparently I've always felt comfortable talking about it once I learned about it. I remember when I was diagnosed, I didn't, same thing I think you've said before, I didn't think, yeah, it was me. That wasn't depression. I didn't look like a depressed person. Um, I didn't have the thoughts of wanting to kill myself that my other friends had had when we were in middle school and in high school. So I talked about this in front of a class full of people and basically had people tell me, like, they didn't believe me. They thought that I just was doing it for attention, in part because they were like, well, you always seem so happy and you're always laughing and smiling. and. Um, You know, like you're an outgoing person. And so, you know, this was my first experience with it. I study it in college. I see that this is an issue in media. And like you said, pop culture, especially mass media in general, this is how we mainly get our information. And then part of me comes today and goes, wow, if I could do that same thing that I did for looking at films in the 80s, because that's what we actually chose to focus on was films in the 80s. I don't think much has changed.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It's it's tough. It's it is a very difficult. I mean, that's the whole point. That's why we want to talk about it because it's a, it's a difficult thing to talk about and and to I don't want to say counteract, but to 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 kind of push back against the uh, what's out there to, to some degree, the mass media messaging, and it's because a lot of the times the the messaging isn't. And I like to talk about pop culture because the thing is, is the entertainment industry, like there's some good things like being entertained, especially right now while we have a pandemic going on, having things to you know lift our spirits. That's a good thing. The problem is when that is our source of information, it's going to be inaccurate. It just is for so many reasons, both good or well not good, but bad and innocuous reasons it just is going to be inaccurate. And so it can be really difficult to try to say, okay, here he, I'm, I'm, I'm losing words and that never feels great, but that's, <laughs> well, I, that's I, I difficult to hear.
0: because it's, uh, it's, it's,
1: it's such a big thing, but at the same time, it's like, you know, we want to,
0: I don't know. <laughs> Well, I think this is, to me, This is, I I really think that kind of this, this stumbling and stuff that we're having here is because of the fact that, to me, this always feels like a really big topic that doesn't have a lot of good answers.
1: Yeah. And, you know, to, to go back to the entertainment thing, you know, we talk about serious stuff, but we try to have some entertainment values some uplifting things and i'll tell you right now i'm kind of looking at the void a little bit and saying well how how do we bring some of that back into this episode and i don't think we do is that's kind of the point of this conversation i think is that this is a difficult thing and we want to talk about it some so that at least this
0: this conversation is happening yeah and i think this is where we talked about the idea that the purpose of today's episode is to start the conversation and give us a framework this is our first time revisiting a topic or a a very specific sorry this is our first time revisiting a story yes and we did it with the intention that this is because we needed to set up this topic to be able to look at it more in depth and to talk about it in a much more in-depth manner Yes.
1: And, and there's some of that too. Like we definitely, there is like many of these topics, there's so much to talk about, but because this one, we already have highlighted, okay, here's specific things we want to talk about, but that are far too much to talk about in this episode. I'm, I'm struggling a little bit to come up with, well, what do we say next? Because we know some of the things we want to say next, but they are another episode or more. So we
0: yes but we also don't want to leave this on this yes. note I think that that's what you're saying so yes exactly the really the goal around kind of stigma and this is actually something that is being worked on and i will say even in a hospital setting at the va in minneapolis they are doing we have looked at kind of provider attitudes towards mental health um because sadly and i'm going to make it a little sad before i make it happy again there is research that uh Providers like medical providers have these beliefs about people with mental illness, which does impact care and mental or medical outcomes. So there is actually work being done to combat stigma and to kind of, the biggest things is it's instilling hope. And Mm -hmm. that is to kind of, it's a two pronged approach. There's the public perception, and there's also dealing with it at an individual level. So Mm -hmm. the individual level, It really is kind of trying to, if you're working with somebody or if this is something that you're experiencing and you've come up against stigma, awareness is literally the first step of everything we've talked about today. Even if this conversation is making you realize that you might hold some beliefs about yourself because of a mental health diagnosis or mental health symptoms. Or other things. Or other things.
1: things. There's a lot of, unfortunately, a lot of groups in society that have yeah stigma against them because again there's a lot of experience a lot of life that exists a lot of facets to humanity that people don't experience in in their everyday thing so if you're not in the majority and you're not part of that it's very easy for stigma to exist
0: exactly so we're focusing to we're focusing in some ways on mental health yeah because of it may is. being mental health awareness month and being yep. kind of more of our thing the topic of stigma can expand to, you know, LGBT and race mm-hmm. and economic status. And there is a, yeah. I mean, stigma just about, is stigma. Yeah,
1: just about any facet of humanity, there can be some stigma about it.
0: So the I mean, first step is really education. It's learning about it. Um, it's learning that stigma exists. It's learning kind of about myths and misconceptions about kind of mental health. Um, We talked about nami and a big part of what they do is they are trying to they're working on more of the macro level Mm -hmm. trying to kind of put the information out there or they're trying to maybe work with uh states on kind of you know regulations or just kind of treatment of people with mental health kind of Mm -hmm. work with news organizations on how you frame stories because but they do
1: they do have tools for individuals too. If, mm-hmm. if it's, it's NAMI.org, correct? Yep. Is their website? And they're going to be in the show notes again for today. Yep. So if, if you, is, is, is not just this, but any of the mental health topics that we have talked about or that we do talk about, things start to sound, please just check that out. It's, yep. it's a good resource and they have other resources that they can help kind of get you to.
0: And- The next steps about it is if you are somebody that experiences these things, it is to start talking about your experiences with those that you feel comfortable Mm -hmm. doing that with. You know, it's starting to advocate for yourself and also to correct when you can, if you kind of, if if you, if you see this or hear this. And, you know, we, we do call out racist language and we do call out kind of ableist language a lot. And mental health is an area that in my experience, I see a little bit lacking and I I know that. So part of what I do is I try to just call that out or at least make it kind of a, aware for people. Mm-hmm. Um, just that, that language is the biggest part to this to me. I think you've talked about this. That was your biggest piece. Um, language is such a tool and a, I mean, it's,
1: yeah. It's, 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 yeah. I mean, language is the tool that we've created to, to communicate. And so it's both how we express ideas in, in positive and negative ways. It's, uh, it allows us, language is what allows us to talk to each other. Like Hobbes and I are doing right now with each other with you to express these ideas, but language can also be used to isolate and put people in boxes when you have certain terms that you want to use, you know, e even, terms that are met like, like schizophrenia has, is loaded term now for a, a lot of use because there's the stigma that gets packed into it.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and that's why I was, yeah, like, I mean, it's, it's, it, we have this language of, to define an illness and there's even been, you know, there's discussions all the time about, should we call schizophrenia something different? even if it's the same kind of criteria that are being used for medical providers. We've had to combat this. I mean,
1: there have been terms, I think for, for some various medical things that have become loaded with so much stigma that those terms are now not used Mm -hmm. and new terms have been created to try to remove that stigma from the conversation.
0: Yep like I said, so a big part, if you'll see on NAMI, they have kind of a, there's a great article on ways to combat it. A lot of it is to start the conversation, which is what we're doing today. That's why, you know, like you were saying, Alex, (laughs) this is much more of a kind of the idea is to instill hope that there have been, you know, there are effective ways to kind of increase education for groups of people. And when it's done, it has been shown to help reduce stigma. Um, Mm -hmm. But this is not a happy topic. I mean, this is, not one that i can even say like you said this is one that gets me kind of down when i yeah i like today right now i'm like wow it's been 20 (laughs) years like i really just it came up as we were doing this article it's really kind of hitting me (laughs) so yeah um yeah but the the overall message or idea is that I, i talked last week about the recovery model and the biggest part of the recovery model is the idea of instilling hope if you didn't get a chance to listen kind of go back through um i I wasn't able to be joined by alex and i really want to have a another discussion with him kind of about the recovery model because it is a framework and it is a framework that was developed in some ways to fight stigma um to look at mental health and recovery from mental health and addiction as a process and something that is possible that is really built around hope Hope is, quote unquote, the anti-stigma. Um, mm-hmm. And that is where I think that we're going to have success. Um, and honestly, we, when you talked about the, you know, how do we combat mass media and pop culture, it's what we're doing today. Yeah. I mean, we're a Magic the Gathering podcast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right? Like it, It's seen that this is actually happening in more and more pop culture circles. Mm hmm. Yeah, this
1: is a conversation more and more people are are having and willing to have and and not just avoiding because that's that's a thing, too. A lot of these conversations people have just avoided for years because, you know, they're uncomfortable. But it's it's like but that's that just allows it to continue. But by having that conversation, you can start to push back.
0: You even talking about your own experiences on this show um, as, quote unquote, not a mental health professional just as a lived experience Mm -hmm. is an example of that. Yeah. So we really want to thank everybody for spending basically mental health awareness month, uh, the whole month of May kind of diving deeply into these topics. I mean, it, we always do. I mean, that's kind of, yeah.
1: The... <laughs> yeah. And like, yeah, spoiler alert, literally today we have, I have a new mental health topic that's on the list to work on. So it's not like we're, we're going to stop doing it although yeah. we weren't doing it before this month, but, but to really put a focus on it, to make
0: sure that, you know, that, that
1: all of the episodes that we were releasing, this is, this was the focus.
0: Yeah. This month was very intentional. Um, I would say that we were going to do this and we planned for it, uh, Versus just hoping that our topics were timely or, <laughs> or yeah. relevant, because we've gotten very lucky with the timely and relevance on other things.
1: Yeah, and My, and you know maybe the
0: pandemic. to say
1: unfortunately unlucky in one or two cases too. Yeah. But so, you know that actually actually that timing worked out really well because then we could do the follow up as part of
0: <laughs> this month. Uh, I, I I feel like we live our lives as goblins in the best way possible. <laughs> Yeah, that's
1: a very red response where
0: just, you know, just
1: throw things out there and see what happens, you know, and if something mildly explodes, that's cool, too.
0: Yeah, it will fit it into our narrative. We can yeah. do that.
1: And yeah, and like that, that episode being poorly timed, the social anxiety, you know, about Grand Prix and, and cons, hey, go out and do them, you know, literally as every one of them is being canceled, gave us the perfect chance to bring Chase back like two weeks later. Right, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it worked out really
0: well. So, like I said, th- thank you everybody for kind of that's um, been along for Mental Health Awareness Month. Um, if you, if you are new to the cast and this has been your experience, we we do more lighthearted stuff too. <laughs> I think we have to in the next week or two. We need a Goblin yeah. Games episode. Yeah, we talk find
1: some way to talk about food again. That's always fun. Oh,
0: yeah, that's always good. But thank you for coming along. I will be posting resources kind of as a follow up to this, um, some of these, especially ones for like NAMI and even looking at this month, we've been including uh, the crisis line or, and I actually, there's a big movement towards calling them even warm lines or helplines mm. because don't want you calling just in crisis. They are there to kind of help you before that point. Um, I'm including those, the ones that I know of um, and I'm aware of, uh, I'm going to start, I think we had talked about basically just leaving those links in kind of indefinitely yeah. and ongoing. I, I like that. That's,
1: it's important stuff that, you know, even if it's not the main topic that we're talking about every episode for a month, it's, it's nice to have those there as, as, as resources for people.
0: So thank you all. And we will be seeing you in another week. And that's our show for today. You can find the host on Twitter, HobbsQ can be found at HobbsQ, and Alex Newman can be found at Mel underscore chronicler Send any questions, comments, thoughts, hopes, and dreams to at Pod on Twitter, or email us at GoblinLorePodcast at gmail.com. If you want to support your friendly neighborhood gobslite, the cast can be found at Patreon.com slash GoblinLorePod. Opening and closing music by Vindergotten, who can be found on Twitter at Vindergotten, or online at Vindergotten.bandcamp.com. Logo art by Steven Raphael who can be found on Twitter at Steve Raffle. Goblin Lore is proud to be presented by Hipsters of the Coast as part of their growing Vorthos content, as well as magic content of all kinds. Check them out on Twitter at HipstersMTG or online at HipstersOfTheCoast.com Thank you all for listening, and remember, goblins, like snowflakes, are only dangerous in numbers.